We're going to continue on with our series, Jesus and Luke. Luke and Jesus, uh, the, the gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at Jesus throughout the gospel of Luke. And it's amazing. Today's message number four, the title of this message is Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. And for this message, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11. All right, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let's read it together. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Point number one that I want to make from this scripture is this, that we choose how we respond to Jesus. You get to choose how you will respond to Jesus. In verse 5, Simon answered said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. You know, what Jesus asks of us isn't always convenient. Simon and his partners, they'd been out fishing all night already. They were cleaning their nets, and they were done. And Jesus is asking them to start over from scratch. Jesus is essentially asking them to undo all the work that they had just finished doing. This would not have been very convenient for Peter and his team. Like, dude, we're professional fishermen. We did this all night. We didn't catch anything. We've already cleaned all our gear. We've packed up for the day. We've already worked. We're tired. And yet Peter says, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. How are you and I going to respond to the inconvenient requests of Jesus? Because we get to choose how we are going to respond. How are we going to respond in those moments when Jesus asks us to love our neighbors or to give something to someone in need? To stay up a little bit later to pray or to honor Him with how we live our lives. To say no to that one relationship or yes to honoring our parents and being obedient to them. To ask forgiveness for someone we have wronged or to forgive someone who has wronged us. To trust Him 
when he asks you to love the bullies or to trust that he is with you when you are being bullied. You know, Peter wasn't afraid to voice his objection. We've been out here all night, man. We haven't caught nothing. But Peter also said yes to what Jesus asked. And it appears that Peter didn't believe they would catch anything. Peter wanted Jesus to know he was acting in obedience to what Jesus asked him to do. At least that's how I read it. It does not read to me like Peter expected a miracle. It reads to me like Peter said, I acknowledge that you are a wise teacher, and so because you are a wise teacher and you're asking me to do this, I'm going to let down my nets. And I think that's a real human place to exist sometimes with God. Is to just say, are, are we willing to act in obedience even when the request doesn't make sense? Are we willing to act in obedience to God even if we're not convinced a miracle can happen? But rather, simply because it is Jesus who asks us, will we respond in obedience? Only you get to choose how you're going to respond to Jesus. But here's the good thing. That when we say yes to Jesus, it actually moves us in the direction of the miraculous. Verse 6 and 7 of our chapter here said, When they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. The yes of Peter wouldn't have been much good without the accompanying action. So Peter said yes to what Jesus asked, but he also actually did what Jesus asked him to do. Peter's yes to Jesus' inconvenient request was the starting place of his miracle moment. What God wants to do in your life is intended to affect more than just your life. Can I say that again? What God wants to do in your life is intended to affect more than just your life. The miracle produced in Peter's life was about more than just him. It overflowed into those closest to him. And this is God's desire for the miraculous in our lives. It should be contagious to those around us. Do you see here that when Peter got to choose how he was going to respond to Jesus, but when he said yes to Jesus and didn't just say yes with his mouth, but said yes with his actions and did what Jesus asked him to do that moved him into his miracle moment with Jesus Peter experienced a miracle because he said yes to the inconvenient request of Jesus and it didn't just impact Peter's life it impacted three other lives as well and then many more other lives as a result of those lives that were impacted Jesus wants the miracles in our lives to be contagious to those around us. And here's a question I have for us. How many times have we missed out on the miraculous because we haven't followed through with our yes to Jesus? Because real miracles occur when we follow through with what we say yes to. If all we offer God is words, we aren't moving towards his miracle for us. And what would a miracle look like in your life and in mine? Miracles can look like God restoring hope to, that, to those who have none. Miracles look like healing 
for sick bodies. Miracles look like families being restored to each other. Miracles look like rescue from addiction and harmful situations. Miracles look like God's sustaining presence during painful or difficult moments or seasons in life. Miracles look like having peace in moments where peace should be an impossibility. Miracles look like having true joy in a life that should be anything but joyful because of the trauma and pain experienced. Miracles can come in many different ways, and all miracles start with a yes to what Jesus says and the actions that follow it. What miracles are waiting for us on the other side of our yes and obedience to the requests of Jesus? The third point I want to make in this text is this, that God's calling is greater than our qualifications. Let me say this again. God's calling of us is greater than our qualifications. We're never qualified to follow Jesus, but his calling is greater than our qualifications, all right? In verse 8 and 10 of chapter 5, it says this, when Simon Peter saw the miracle, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. When Simon realizes the power of Jesus, he declares that Jesus is Lord. And what is Peter's response to the revelation that he is in the presence of the Lord? It's shame and isolation. Peter said, Jesus, leave me because I'm a sinful person. But our ideas of whether or not we are qualified to follow Jesus don't trump Jesus's ability to call us let me say it this way our idea of whether or not we are qualified to follow to follow Jesus isn't greater than Jesus's ability to call us to follow him Peter didn't think he could be with Jesus and Jesus calls Peter anyways but why why would Jesus call such a sinful person to be a part of his team his inner circle one of his closest friends I think it's because Jesus knows that we can't clean ourselves up. That only Jesus can clean us up. And that only Jesus can qualify us to be with him. Let's look at another example of what Peter experienced. We find it in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7. It reads like this. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Isaiah had the same response as Peter when standing in the presence of the Lord. They both immediately acknowledge how unworthy they are to be in God's presence. But it's not how Isaiah and Peter respond that is special. It's how the Lord 
responds to them that is amazing. Because it's true that both men were sinful and undeserving of being in God's presence. What is remarkable is that God still wants them in His presence and is willing to cleanse them both so that they can be. And what I want to tell you today is that Jesus Christ is the live coal from the altar that takes away our guilt and atones for our sin. God is the one who calls us and cleanses us because He wants us. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Peter, the same Peter who at this moment in our story in Luke chapter 5 falls to his knees and says, Lord, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. His response to being in the presence of Jesus was once of shame and isolating himself from the Lord. This is what Peter, who's been cleansed by Jesus, the live coal from the altar, says to the church in 1 Peter in his letter to the churches. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love that the same Peter who once tried to isolate himself in his shame from the presence of Jesus now reminds the churches of who they are because of Jesus. That we're chosen, we're royal, we're holy, we're God's special possession so that we can praise him because he called us out of that darkness into his wonderful light. We once weren't a people, but now we're the people of God and we've received mercy. Are we missing out on all the good that God has in store for us because we disqualify ourselves from being with Jesus. Are we sinful? Yes. Do we deserve to be with Jesus? No. Does God love us and call us and clean us anyways? Yes. 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 When we say yes to Jesus, we receive something we don't deserve, life with God. It's my final point. Everything is worth giving up to be with Jesus. In verse 11 of Luke 5, it says, So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Everything is worth giving up to be with Jesus. Jesus is inviting each of us into a life that says yes to him, a life set on the path of encountering the miraculous power of God, a life that we don't deserve and are unqualified for, and yet a life that God wants for us regardless, a life that God is committing to giving us through putting our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And when we say yes to Jesus, even though we are sinners, God takes away our guilt and atones for our sins through the blood of Jesus. God has done everything necessary for us to be able to be with Jesus. We learn from Peter, Andrew, James, and John that the choice is easy when you have the option of holding on to your old life or giving up everything to be with Jesus. They say, give it all up. Give it all up. Everything is worth giving up to be with Jesus. Are you ready to leave it all and go with Jesus?
What things do you need to leave behind to follow Jesus? Fear, unforgiveness, addiction, sin, doubt, rebellion, hatred, lying, your dreams, your plans, relationships, sports, whatever it is, what we learn in this chapter, in these verses, is that everything is worth giving up if it means I get to be with Jesus. Let's do a real quick review. We choose how we respond to Jesus. Our yes to Jesus moves us in the direction of the miraculous. God's calling is greater than our qualifications. And everything is worth giving up to be with Jesus.